Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Be where your feet are. David Swivel Smith. What really speaks to me is I've, I've watched some of these guys vlog on YouTube where they just walked from Mexico to Canada and they get to that monument and there's nobody else there. It's just them. And there's no cheering crowd. There's nobody saying, hey man, good job, yay. You know, no, no parade, no. But you and I know that that's a monumental accomplishment. But that person that just did that didn't do that for anybody to see them do that. And that's what really spoke to me. It's the, it's the caliber of individual that is willing to subject themselves for that, you know, to that kind of punishment um, for no recognition, for no accolades, for, for no cheering crowds and say, hey, you're the man. All right. That's cool. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. With a special bonus episode this week, we are heading out to the trail to hear from David Smith, a photographer who has temporarily closed his shop to undertake the trip of a lifetime. Yes, he is hiking the Appalachian Trail in its entirety, and he's out there right now. Welcome to the John Freaking Mirror Pod, David. How's it going? It's going great, man. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And let's just set the stage because I, I, I said that you're out there right now. You're, you're not quite out there and you've been off for a little bit because you've encountered some, uh, some challenges. Tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, this whole excursion has been a challenge. We can get into that later, but um, yeah, what's got me off the trail. Um, I had started having some real bad heel pains in both of my feet. And at first, you know, um, 
I thought it was just overuse injury. Um, I guess kind of ultimately that's what it is. But um, I was doing 15s, 18s, 20s, you know, mild days. And I was just like, well, you know, this is just what it is. And then it got to where the pain started onsetting a lot earlier and earlier. And then the last day I finally had to pull out, I, I think I hiked six miles and my feet were just done. And um, so anyway, I got off trail, went and seen a, a specialist and they said I have acute acute Achilles tendonitis Ooh, in both wow. of my feet. Yeah. And some planters, you know, fasciitis to go along with it, but mainly it's the uh, a tendonitis. And I, you know, I said, well, what do we do? He said, well, you can't hike anymore. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, as you know, the preparation and the planning and the logistics that goes into a, you know, a through hike. Right. So I was kind of blown away by that, but he said, just give me six weeks off trail, go to physical therapy and see where we are. So that's what we're doing. I'm about seven weeks off trail right now. And um, I'm ready to get back at it. Okay. And, and when do you anticipate getting back on? Um, I actually booked my flight yesterday. I'm going to flip up to Harper's Ferry. Um, so I'm going to leave Sunday, this Sunday coming up, um, 26th of June. Okay. And flip up there and um, start heading north. Okay. And how far did you make it before you, you had to come off? Yeah, I made it just outside of Irwin, Tennessee, 320 miles. So instead of going back to Irwin and going, I think I'm going to run out of time getting all the way to Katahdin from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So um, I talked to a bunch of people that have already done it. And, um, you know, it's just, they said, yeah, just flip and then go back and connect the dots. So that's the plan. I want to flip up to Harper's Ferry, um, walk up to Katahdin, and then flip back down to Harper's Ferry and then connect the steps down to Irwin, Tennessee. Okay. Got to be flexible out there. I mean, you, everybody has a plan until they, uh, they start going and, and, you know, life happens. So you've got to get to be able to adjust on the fly. Man, that's the truth. That's, that's, that's the trail in a nutshell, isn't it? You got to be flexible. If you're not, it will teach you to be. (laughs) That's right. Now, David, in, in those uh, early part of the, of the trail, did you pick up a trail name? Um, I, or had you had one before you got out there? No, I, 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 you know, it's funny because it seemed like everybody around me was getting trail names. And I'm like, man, you know, I don't have a trail name, you know, what's going on. It probably wasn't until about 200 miles in almost, I think it was in the Smokies actually. Um, and I finally got one. So my trail name is Swivel. Um, I wanted a better name. I was hoping for something a little bit more stoic or masculine or cool or Zen, but it's Swivel. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> Hey, where that know, came what from. it's worth david i think swivel's pretty cool uh, that's, got, that's got a good ring to it yeah and and how did how did you pick up swivel what's the story behind it i'm glad you think it's cool i appreciate it, it wasn't you know the name i was hoping for <laughs> well I, I, I do a lot of youtube videos video uh you know talking head type stuff so when i'm out there um on the trail and i've got my you know camera and i'm doing my little thing inevitably what i do is i always look behind me to make sure nobody's around me before I start looking like an idiot and talking to my cell phone. So some of those cuts I leave in my videos. And so I'm talking to that. And as I'm, you know, doing the YouTube vlogging, you know, I'm like, oh, blah, blah. And then I'll stop and I'll kind of look around real quick and then I'll keep going. So the joke was my head's on a swivel. I keep looking around, looking behind my back. And so, yeah. Nice. Like a, a long tailed <laughs> cat in a rocking, uh, rocking chair store. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> got to know, got to know what's behind you, know what's around you. Yeah. I guess you can call it paranoid a little bit, but uh, <laughs> situational awareness is what I like to call it. <laughs> yeah. Cause then if you, if you get somebody accidentally in your shot, I mean, you have to get, you have to have them sign a release that it's okay to use their likeness on, on your YouTube. I suppose, but that hasn't <laughs> happened. 
Hey, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast, David? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've listened to several episodes. Okay, mm-hmm. good, good. I just want to make sure that you are aware of a segment we've got towards the end called the pro tip inside of the week. That's where I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. I'll do my best, man. Okay. And of course you are expected to drop some trail wisdom throughout the episode, but uh, you'll be on the hook for that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. The must bring gear review. All right. Another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking com- gear company, six moon designs. And here's how it works. David, if you were to let a, st- a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Swivel, what is your must bring piece of gear out there? Um, you know what? I think, uh, I'm trying to think, I think the most used piece of gear would probably be the one that I would need the most or want the most kind of in hindsight. This might sound a little odd, but probably my rain jacket. Okay. Um, I, you know, before I started the trail, I just figured, okay, it's, it's a rain jacket. It's for rain. But Doc, I, I can't believe how much I wore that jacket when it wasn't raining. I mean, it was a wind block, a windbreaker. It was a rain jacket. It was for warmth. Um, it was what I wore when I did laundry in town. I mean, that was my by far my most used piece of gear. And I'm, I'm shocked. It's probably, I don't know if you are, but I was shocked, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I had to say my rain jacket. Okay, now you you described you you described a situation where you're doing laundry in your rain jacket, and I've got this image in my mind of of you in just the rain jacket and nothing else, maybe <laughs> some flip flops, getting all that laundry into the machine and, and taking care of business. I'm kind of ultra lighter, so I'm not carrying flip flops, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, no we now, got rain pants on too, so you know we're not yeah. breaking any laws. <laughs> right. Good, good. That's important. Now. You know, I'm always on the lookout for a good rain shell that uh, that's gonna gonna do the job. And I've I've kind of gone through a variety. I'll be in a store and I'll see a jacket. And I say, oh, this this is the one. This is the one. And then I'm I'm not quite happy with it. What 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 brand did you end up going with? My wife's gonna hear this, so you're getting me in trouble. But I went with a light equipment visp. So I didn't okay. cut any. I mean, I got the visp jacket, and it's it's a pricey rain jacket. Okay. But, but I love that thing, man. I think it's about five ounces. Mm-hmm. Um, in hindsight though, when this one dumps on me and it, you know, and it, is, and it is, isn't doing its job anymore, I'm just going to get the ultralight frog talks next time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause it, you know, it, it's an expensive jacket, man. I mean, yeah. you know, for range. Yeah. Jackets. <laughs> Mrs. 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 Swivel, when we're talking expensive jackets, it's like in the $40, $40 to $50 range. It wasn't, wasn't. Yes, man. Yeah. You're more than that. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll help you out here. I got you. I got you, Swivel. She, she knows that in spite of me looking homeless out on the trail, that when I got my backpack, it's a lot more money than what people expect, right? <laughs> That's right. That's probably a, a fair point. I mean, the hikers after, after a period of time, they do look pretty homeless, but they are the, the, most geared out, most expensive looking homeless people that you're going to, man, I'm telling you for, you know, when you're in the know, you're like, Oh, that poor guy. And you know, you, you got, you know, the mom's clutching your children saying, this is why you go to school, honey. So you don't have to, you know, be the creepy guy outside of a laundromat in Franklin, Tennessee. But, (laughs) but I mean, yeah, man, I mean, little do they know you got a, you know, several hundred dollar tent in there. You got a $200 rain jacket, you, you know, whatever flavor, you know? Yeah. Right. 
That's right. Now you said that you are, uh, you try and go ultralight. What, what is your base weight? Do you think? Well, right now I just switched from, I've been, I, the 320 miles that I hiked with the pack that I use, this is a light AF pack. And, um, I don't know if you've heard of that brand, but I absolutely love that brand. But that backpack is only 19 ounces, I believe. But now I switch to mount my um, Hyperlight, excuse me. Yeah, Hyperlight Mountain Gear, my 2400, okay. their smaller pack. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm doing that is because um, I want to carry more food while I'm out there. So the pack itself is two pounds versus my 19 ounces. Okay. I say all that to say my base weight now was about nine pounds. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, whereas it was, you know, from a summer loadout, it was about seven and a half to eight and a half pounds fluctuate, something like that. Mm-hmm. Now the, the first pack light AF, that means light as a feather. Is that what Correct. Means? Yeah. Correct. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's clarify. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But that was, that was a smaller capacity evidently. Um, it was It's just that back, that pack comfortably maxes that out at about 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, uh, the hyperlight, I'm getting confused about the hyperlight, you know, they say you can max it out at 40 pounds. Now, mind you, I'm never going to be anywhere near that. But I mean, um, at the end of the day, if you just come off of town and you got three, four, five days of food in there, you got to climb up this, you got a water source here, and you still got two miles to hike to get to your camp. You just loaded up everything with water. You know, you've probably got eight more pounds of water just to get you through the night for dinner and breakfast. So I've been pretty uncomfortable a couple of times pushing that pack past its limits. Nothing against the pack. It was complete user, you know, error. Yeah. So that's why, uh, I went with the heavier pack just so I can do that, you know, once in a while. Yeah. And when we're talking heavier pack, <clears throat> you went from 19 ounces to 32 ounces. Correct. Correct. So add another, another, uh, you know, almost pound. Pound. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So and right then, now I, I went out this morning, got everything loaded. I just did a little day hike this morning with the wife. We just did five miles. Um, I was at nine pounds, 0.25 or something like that. And then with all three days of food and water, and I had a liter, two liters of water on there. Mm-hmm. And I put it on the scale and I was like at 18 and change altogether with food and everything. Okay. And how did the, how did the heels feel this morning? Good. Felt good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did the doctor give you any preventative exercises to do to try and keep them feeling good? Um, physical therapist more or less was kind of helping me out on that. Uh-huh. So... Really, it's just, you know, everybody just says, oh, take it easy. Don't push it too hard. I mean, that seems to be the, <laughs> the, the blanket advice that they give you, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, really, I think for me, it's going to be a matter of doing, you know, just getting into a really good stretching routine at the end of the day and maybe before the day. Mm-hmm. Um, learn some tricks as far as like using your trekking poles to massage your calves. Make sure you massage the, the planter's muscle in the bottom of your feet. Just basic maintenance stuff that we all know to do, but at the end of the day, we're just smoked. We just want to go to bed and we don't do it. Yeah. At least like I say, I don't. So I need to be more disciplined in that and hopefully, you know, get overcome this. Yeah. I've talked to some folks who have brought a tennis ball out there. And then at the end of the day, they, they uh, kind of uh, put that tennis ball down and, and take their shoes off and, and kind of roll their feet, you know, the bottom yep. of their feet with tennis ball. That seems to help. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny, dog. I got a cork massage ball that I brought with me. You know, I did not use that thing one time while I was out there. <laughs> Maybe if I use it, I may not have been in the, the boat that I'm in, right? <laughs> could be, could be. All right. 
It's the hiking pole. All right. You know, the hiking pole has kind of changed a little bit this year. I, I've kind of uh, gone from our traditional questions to some kind of uh, uh, funny um questions about situations out in real life, not hiking life, just to get, you know, the conversation going. But I think with you out on the trail or soon to be back out on the trail, I think I'm going to go back to our original hiking pole. And okay. so we're going to cover seven questions going to help me determine how, how sane you are. You'll end up with a score from one to a hundred with 100 being completely sane and one, one being completely bonkers. So uh, good luck. Here we go. Question number one. Trekking poles or no trekking poles? Now, trekking poles. Prior to the through hike, never trekking poles. Never. But since I've been out there, you know, Doc, I carried them with me for two days without using them because I have a trekking pole tent. So I say, you know, everybody's doing it. I guess I'll do it just so I don't look weird. By day number three, I had them bad boys out and I had them out ever since. So I'm going with trekking poles on this one. Okay. And what, what changed your mind? What, what was it after day two that you said, you know what, I'll, I better, I better use these babies. You know, <laughs> it wasn't that my knees were hurting. It wasn't any kind of weight distribution. It wasn't anything. It was mud. That trail was a slip and slide. And so, you know, it was at that point it was stability. And then I just kind of got in a rhythm, got in the groove and I was like, it's not a bad, you know, bad thing to have a few more points of contact. And I just stuck with them. Yeah. And you, you said something a little funny there, because <laughs> one of the things that I hear from, from new hikers out there about trekking poles is, you know, I'm not going to use a trekking pole. I mean, trekking poles, I would look funny doing that. And you, you put the opposite spin on it. 100%. Everybody else had them out there. I'm going to look funny <laughs> if I don't have them. So I'm bringing them. You know, strange that it's true. <laughs> I, I, I bet you, uh, gosh, man, I'd say for sure. Nine out of 10 people. You know, they have them, at least one, you know? Yeah. Yep. All right. Question number two, boots or trail runners? Trail runners all day. That's not even, that's easy. Slam dunk. Yeah. <laughs> Slam dunk. Do you have a preferred brand of trail runners? Uh, yeah. Ultra Lone Peak are my favorite. Yeah. Um, I got a really wide foot. Um, I got a pair of Hoka's that I've got on right now that I broke in. Um, when I first got them, they were really tight and hard, you know, on my feet. But um, this pair is broken. It's like walking on clouds compared to the to the uh, lone peaks. But um, I think I'm going to go back out and hocus this time. Yeah, both of them are great products. <clears throat> I've, I've got I've got a pair of the uh, lone peaks for for my hiking. And I also have some hocus for running. I have hoka running <laughs> shoes, mm -hmm. and, uh, both very uh, high quality products. Yeah, I love them both. Yeah, they're great. Mm -hmm. All right. Your preferred sleep system out there is it our shelter system? Is it tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or cowboy camping? Once upon a time, I'd say hammock. I'm never sleeping on the ground again. When I went to, to counting grams and ounces, my tent's lighter. So I'm a tent guy now. Okay. And is yep. it just the weight factor that, that convinced you, or are there other benefits to having a tent out there? It's the weight and the bulk. Yeah. Because in the wintertime, you got to have a top quilt, an under quilt, you know, if you really want to stay warm. I mean, but yeah, by the time you pack all that up, I mean, it's heavier, it's bulkier. My tent is like a big burrito. It stuffs in there. It's 13 ounces. I'm on down the road. Yeah. Okay. What, what, brand of tent, what brand of tent do you use? Z-Packs. Z-Packs. Uh, yeah. Hex Solo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Nice. And it's, it's it, you know, I could set that thing up a lot quicker than I could my hammock, too. I know there's probably hammock people listening to this. So I'm like, no, I, that's cool. Just talking about me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I think the hammock people, they're, they're, a, they're a strange breed. And, and strange, not in a bad way. Just, you know, um, I, I take my best naps in a hammock, but there's no yeah. way I could sleep eight hours in a hammock. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't use an underquilt when I used to go out. So I had to, you know, you know, engineer a bunch of craziness to keep my underside warm. So you use everything from a reflectix to a Z light, you know, accordion thing. And it, then it slips off in the middle of the night. You know, it's, it's a whole process, man. But I think with the underquilt though, you can just, you know, set it and forget it type of thing. Once you got that thing set up and you're nice and toasty in there, best sleep I ever got out there was probably in a hammock. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But again, I'm getting old. I'm getting lazy, man. I, if I, I want the lightest stuff I can take with me. Well, you know, the lighter it is, the easier it is to for the day-to-day travel. But you have to make sure that you're including some stuff there that's going to provide enough creature comforts to keep you going. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. My, my mantra is uh, smooth, light, and efficient. So, and I, and you can throw safe in that category as well. As long as I'm, you know, comfortable and safe, we'll be good. Yeah. All right. Sleeping bag or quilt? Quilt. Quilt. Another enlightened equipment, 20 degree revelation bag. Yep. Yeah. And that was, uh, Mrs. Swivel. That was also about $45 this time. Yep, exactly. Well, and I got a 45 degree bag from enlightened equipment. I just switched out to for summer weight. So that was about $25. (laughs) (laughs) She gets the credit card statements though, Docs. <laughs> oh man, you can only keep it a secret for so long if she gets the statements. <laughs> All right. Um, when it comes to food out there, are you a stove guy, cold soak, or stoveless? I might be in a single digits on your point system on this one, man. I'm I'm going a uh, cold soak and so stoveless. Oh. Even in the winter time. Even in yeah. the winter time. How do you yeah. do that? I it just doesn't bother me. It just People looked at me like I had a third eye out there, you know, it's freezing, it's 30 something degrees and the wind's whipping through. And, you know, I got my, you know, dehydrated beans and rice and I'm waiting for them to rehydrate. And doesn't bother me, man. You know, you get enough time to, to, to offset that. Yeah. But the, 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 on those cold days, I mean, it just, uh, I look forward to something warm on those this cold true. days. This is true. This is true. Yeah. I can't argue, man. I mean, to me, uh, prior to cold soaking, nothing is better than a hot cup of coffee in the morning, watching the sun come up on some mountainside, you know, mm. that's, that's perfection to me. Um, that was my biggest fear, honestly, going stoveless is not having my hot coffee, but yeah. You, you beat me to the punch. I was just going to ask you that because do you, do you know, <laughs> Ivy Tat? Have you, are you familiar with his work? I met him at Trelays, in fact, and I love that dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's fantastic. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. And if you've watched any of his YouTube videos, you know, he, he starts out every morning with a hot cup of coffee. And so tap that spoon on the, on the- <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so you're able to, to go without coffee or you drink cold coffee out there? Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't drink iced coffee. You say, hey, let's go get an iced coffee. I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. But what I do is um, I just got an old Gatorade bottle that I use for my mixed drinks. And I just, I fill it up with some water, breakfast essentials packets, and I to put two instant coffees in there, shake it up and start hiking. You, you do work the coffee in there. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I got to have the caffeine, you know, I'm not getting the, uh, the pleasure, you know, the nice warm, but you know, I got to yeah, have the caffeine. Benefits, though. That's right. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Question number six is life better above or below the tree line? Above, above. Yeah. There's, yeah. That's an easy one too. Just, yeah. I mean, what's not the love above tree line? I mean, less bugs. <laughs> the only challenge with above tree line is getting above tree line, I suppose, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, you, you got to put in the got to put in the work to get up there. Exactly. It's it never disappoints though once you put that work in. Yeah. All right. Final question, and I, I think I may know how you're leaning on this one based on your previous answers. But what's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Ooh, boy, that's a balance right there. But I'm going with pack weight. I'm going with pack weight. Yeah, because you know we can we can we can put up with a lot if we want to. So yeah, I can, I can forego some creature comforts, you know, if I can knock a pound or two off. Okay. All right. Let me do some quick math here. I've got to, uh, let's see, carry the three going to divide by pi, uh, multiply that by root seven and adjust for the altitude of Mount Katahdin. And I come up with a solid score of 78. A lot of great answers there, Swivel. So that's not too crazy. That's not too crazy. That's not too crazy. In fact, if, if I had asked Mrs. Swivel to, to give you a, a score from one to a hundred, oh, uh, what would, what would the score have been from her? Single digits, easy. Hands down, <laughs> single digits. <laughs> Trust me, she's the brains of this couple. <laughs> well, she knows you far better than I do. So, I mean, this, this score might dip as the, as the episode goes on. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's, uh, before we get too far down the show, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about your background kind of where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies you were involved in as a kid. And how did you get involved in the through hiking cult? Cause let's Ooh. face it, that's, that's what it is. Uh, any, any, any group that convinces you to live in the dirt for three, four five months. I mean, that's gotta be a cult. It's, it's spend all of your hard earned money on, you that's know, right. crazy. You know? Oh boy. Um, I kind of grew up all over. I was a military brat. My dad was in the air force. Um, he did 26 years, I believe. So, I mean, I grew up everywhere. Germany, um, Florida, Virginia. I call Florida kind of home. I live in North Georgia now. Been here for about 23 years as okay. an adult. But um, my dad retired in the panhandle of Florida. So that was the longest I had ever been in one place. We moved every three years growing up. Three right. or four years. Yeah. <clears throat> how, how old were you when you were in Germany? I was... Uh, I was... Um, 10 to 13 years old, I believe. Okay. Nine to 12, 10 to 13 years old, something like that. Right. And, mm-hmm. and uh, did you go to an American school on base or how did that work? Yes. Yeah. We actually lived in a little German village off base and there was only one other American family in there. Um, so everything was complete um, exposure to culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I would catch a bus to go on base to go to school, which is the Department of Defense schools. So American schools. Right. Yeah. Right. And did you pick up the language? At the time I did. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you, you had no choice. I mean, you got the little neighborhood country store. You have to go in there and, you know, and ask in German. We had a, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we had a farmer that lived across the street from us, a really large, burly man. His name was Herr Wachner. And he would march his pigs right in front of our house because he, he had a, he's a pig farmer and a cow farmer. And so he would march them. It was just the typical, which you would probably picture like on a movie or something. He's just a, he's got his Alpine hat on. He's got his button up sweater, huge man, rubber boots up to the bottoms of his knee and a staff 
And he's just, and every morning he would stop and he would try to communicate with us. You know, we're waiting for the bus or something like that. He didn't speak a lick of English. We didn't speak a lick of German at the time. And eventually, you know, like I got to learn how to say good morning to this man at least, you know? So that's, yeah. So at the time learned a little bit. So the German pig <laughs> farmer, that was your inspiration for picking up some of the language. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It, it really was. Yeah. <laughs> when we first got over there too, <clears throat> we, we had to find a house off base. So my, I have two other brothers, two younger brothers. So again, I think I was 10, 11 years old at most. And my dad says, go in there and ask them for a newspaper so that we can you know, look for house rentals off base. So I'm going off base into a German store to ask for a newspaper. So the first words I learned were haben Sie eine Zeitung. That means, do you have a newspaper? 10 years old. That's all I knew. I didn't even know what their response was. They could be saying yes or no. I had no idea. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where the language requirement started. And then when, when dad moved us off into a village where all the kids were German, you know, the stores were German, you you had to figure it out. Yeah. So I, I've seen in uh, different countries or uh, different stores, kind of those flashcards of important phrases to know yeah. in, in the language. Never once did I see do you have a newspaper? <laughs> I never needed to know that information. I have no idea why I still remember it to this day. <laughs> That's fantastic. It, made, it obviously made an impression on you. So you, you uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, Germany was an amazing place. But um, yeah, dad was in the military. So yeah, we traveled around all the time. Um, and I swore I'd never get into the military, you know, because I hate it moving every four years. You get some friends, you get a girlfriend, you get something, you know, whatever. Four years later, you're gone, you know. So, um, but as, as I grew up and got out of, you know, high school and everything, I was just like lost, man. What do I do? So what did I do? I wound up joining the military myself. So I have to apologize to my two sons for doing that to them. <laughs> but yeah, I joined the military. I joined the Air Force too um, back uh, early 90s. And I was stationed over in Japan and um, absolutely loved Japan. So was over there for about five years. Um, came back over, stationed in McGuire uh, Air Force Base in New Jersey for a little bit, and then got out of the service and moved back to Florida and went to work. And um, yeah, after that, um, we now when you were in, when you were in Japan, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Swivel, when you were in Japan, did you did you go into a local store and ask them uh, in Japanese uh, if they had a newspaper? No, I never had to do that. You, you didn't continue that tradition. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I think the uh, I think the uh, level on saying that in Japanese might jump up exponentially. <laughs> Japan was an awesome place, and you know, in fact, um, I tried to stay there forever. That's how much I like Japan. Japan was just amazing. Uh huh. Yeah, but the, the wife at the time, she you know, uh, previous wife, she wouldn't have it. So, okay. <laughs> we did our time and pushed up. <clears throat> now, before we get to uh, your your career after the army or after, after the air force, after the military, what, what are your, what is your family, uh, your two brothers, what do your two brothers think about you taking on the, the Appalachian trail? Are they thinking that, oh man, Dave, here goes David again. He, he's just a little bit uh, screwy. Are they, are they yeah. all in with you on behind this? Well, it, it's kind of weird. You know, my, my family is a very sarcastic, snarky family, you know, anyway, um, Great people, hard as big as the outdoors, but, you know, no matter what you say to them, they're going to have a, 
response you probably don't really hear. So I'm like, I told him, um, you know, I said, Hey, I'm going to hike the Appalachian trail. And they're like, Oh, okay. And that was it. I'm like, you know what the Appalachian trail is? Uh, what is it? You know? So I explained it to him. And then my dad looks over at me, we're at the dinner table in Florida visiting with, I told him my dad looks, he goes, why? (laughs) So my brother's like, why would you do that? Why do you want to do that? I said, man, I love being out there, you know, just trying to explain to him. So I'm just like, one of my youngest brother, he's like, yeah, that's cool. But my middle brother, he's really, he's all about it. You know, he's, I'm out on the trail, man. He's texting me and he's like, where are you at tonight? Send me a picture. How's it going? You know, so supportive. That's, that's but great. They're that's still great. looking at me kind of sideways. Like what, what's wrong yeah. with you, man? Yeah. You're, you're not the first <laughs> uh, long trail hiker to hear the word why from family yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think that what my dad actually said was yeah i wouldn't do that if i were you i think i think that was the direct (laughs) oh yeah okay let's uh let's talk about what you what you do to pay the bills how how are you earning uh the money for your adventures here well um i'm a photographer um i do a lot of real estate photography um I kind of got two jobs, honestly. I'm also an estimator in the construction world, um, commercial fencing, like chain link fencing, security fencing, and things like that. That's um, that's the main bill paying job. Mm-hmm. But um, all the money that um, the deal was on me hiking on this, hiking this trail. So the wife said, if I can put enough money back where the household income, household bills are not interrupted for you know six, seven months, go do your thing. So um, my photography business basically paid for that. So I do a lot of real estate photography, video work, and um, corporate headshots and things like that. Got it. And I'm still waiting to hear the connection between how you got involved with through hiking. I mean, when, when, how, how did this come to you? And, Man, I don't even and, know. I don't even. Um, yeah. What happened? I trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for quite a while, and once I hit my goals that I wanted to achieve in that world. Um, I did that for about 14 years. And by the end of that, once I hit my goals, I had a lot of nagging injuries that were just plagued. just, you know, I'm getting older and I just beat the heck out of my body. You don't, you don't subject yourself to that kind of punishment year after year without paying the price you know? So um, when COVID hit, the gym started shutting down. And so I had this downtime and I said, you know what? So, I started getting these surgeries to get my body patched up. And during that downtime, I started watching YouTube and I seen all these, you know, long distance hiking. What's that? You know, the Appalachian trail, that's cool. What's a through hiker. And of course you stumble upon Darwin and Dixie and, you know, all the regular names that we all know. And then it evolves into, you know, the IB tats and the others. And it's just like, I have to do this. (laughs) I have to do this. You know, it's funny. I went out and uh, I was, Oh, I guess I was about six weeks removed from one of my knee surgeries. And a friend of mine says, hey, let's go for a hiking. Never been on a hike before. Never been on a backpacking trip. So we were going to go do 30 miles on the Appalachian Trail. I'm like, great. Dog, I, my backpack stood over my head in the back, man. I was like, I'm ready. I had, I don't know how much water I had on. I had, man, it was, it was, it, it was sad. And I wrecked myself, man. I was like, what in the hell? I can't do this. this why do people do this? Fast forward, learning all the stuff, you know, and doing all your research. It's like, man, I did it all wrong. (laughs) 
So yeah, basically it was working through the injuries from combat sports, you know, downtime. I found them on YouTube and then I just fell in love with the community, you know, and, and the more that I, uh, watched how the community interacts with one another, how they care about the environment, how they treat each other, just their whole mindset of like, uh, self-sacrifice and, and kind of depriving themselves of these pleasures. And I just like hard stuff, difficult things. I was like, man, I got to try this. And so, yeah, that's, that's the connection. Yeah. And there, I think there's a similar evolution that a lot of uh, first time through hikers go through. I mean, they just, the, the learning curve is there and people show up with way too much stuff. And then they, they realize they don't need everything that they can get by with just a fraction of that. And, you know, the gear evolves, the mentality evolves. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's funny that you, you also went through that and you, it's very similar to uh, ginger balls. I don't know if you've listened to any of his episodes, Yeah, but he showed up to the AT he's retired military, right? He, he showed, he showed up to the AT with, you know, three of everything. Cause you know, he wanted to be prepared in case the, the first one failed and the second one went bad. He had the third one and uh, he just, he learned very quickly that, you know, this, this is not the way to go. So tough. Well, you know, that was probably one of my fun, the funniest stories on your podcast, a funny story period I've ever heard on the hiking, you know, to me, when I, I listened to that podcast on your show and I just sat here in tears laughing about, you know, the guys that, that was the two, the two guys, right. The yeah. ultra light young guy. And then the, right. the Navy guy, wasn't he was Navy, yes, wasn't he? That's right. Yep. Navy. And he's like, man, this kid's never going to make it. You know, oh, and the other guy's like, this, this guy is going to die out there. <laughs> that's just a, such a funny scene. Right. I mean, the that's two of them hilarious. look at each other. Oh, this guy's not going to make it. Yeah. Oh, I love that story, man. I just, <laughs> I've retold that story to people. I said, man, I heard this story. This, I, I think that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Now with your own two sons, how old are they? And have you gotten them uh, involved in hiking and camping? Um, they work a lot. So, you know, when they're, kind of, you know, got their young families so their life's kind of, you know, they're pretty busy with everything, yeah. but um, I've taken them out hiking a little bit. My youngest one, he's, he's 30. <laughs> and, uh, the other one's 34, I want to say. Um, they're not really into it. You know, they support dad and they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. go get it. Pop. That's a good thing you're doing. That's awesome. But yeah. <laughs> Got yeah. it. <clears throat> All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear about the uh, the first 320 miles and some some stories of, of peril and adventure out there. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. 
with the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it. Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Now, welcome back. We're talking to David Smith, also known as Swivel, out there on the trail. And he is getting ready to jump back into the AT. Uh, you got 320 miles in. Is that what it was? Correct. Yeah, 320, just just shy of 320, just outside of urban, 319.7, so I say 320. <laughs> 319.7, I think you could say 320, yes. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll give you that point three. absolutely. Thanks. <laughs> now, what was your inspiration for getting out there? I think I, I mentioned in the intro that uh, this was the uh, adventure of a lifetime. I think, I think I picked that sentiment up from you and our communications back and forth where you said, you know what, I am going to... I'm going to set up my life so that I can take a break for four five, six months and, and do this incredibly difficult challenge um, because this is an opportunity for a lifetime. How, how did that all come about? Yeah, it, it kind of goes back again to, um, <clears throat> to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That was like my life for quite a while. And um, it's, just, it's just one of the – Brazilian jiu-jitsu is one of those things where you get singularly focused in what you're doing, the task at hand. And that's the only thing that I've ever found in my whole life that has been able to kind of, you know, um, I don't know, as they say, quiet the voices type thing. You know what I mean? You know, just kind of settles down the crazy that we all get that stir crazy, that Mm -hmm. angst for something. And then so once I stopped doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, every, you know, the mind starts, you know, working back up again. You got to do something. You got to do something. You got to do something. And that's, that's where that transition came into hiking. I was like, well, let me go try to do this hiking thing and see how that works out. Because I wasn't going to do the jujitsu stuff anymore. I just, you know, I had five surgeries, four surgeries um, <clears throat> between the month of August and November to get patched up from all that past stuff. So I said, all right, we're not going to do that, spend all that money <laughs> and go right back out and get hurt again. So um, let's take that money and spend it on camping gear, hiking gear. I'm kidding. But um, yeah, that's, that, that was mainly the main thing. I wanted to um, pick up something else to occupy my mind, occupy my body, and just try to do something difficult. And um, when I watch these people summit Katahdin or do the PCT or, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> or some of these other long trails, and I'm just, what really speaks to me is I've, I've watched some of these guys vlog on YouTube where they've just walked from Mexico to Canada. And they get to that monument and there's nobody else there. It's just them. And there's no cheering crowd. 
There's nobody saying, hey, man, good job. Yay. You know, no, no parade. No. But you and I know that that's a monumental accomplishment. But that person that just did that didn't do that for anybody to see them do that. And that's what really spoke to me. That's the, that's the caliber of individual that is willing to subject themselves for that, you know, to that kind of punishment um, for no recognition, for no accolades, for, for no cheering crowds and say, hey, you're the man. All right. That's cool. You see these people crying at this monument, sometimes alone, celebrating alone. And I thought that's the that's that's my people. You know, that's a different kind of person, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, um, I wanted to get I wanted to get on that trail. I wanted to see what they felt. I wanted to try to experience just a taste of it. You know, I'm, you know, whether I'm successful or not remains to be seen, but just to be in that community. So they got something I want I want. So, yeah. Yeah. Something really resonated with you having. For uh, sure. For sure. Close to them. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Now I, I have been accused of being a serial hobbyist. Uh, occasionally, you know, I, I take a deep dive into things for a while, like, you know, like running, like uh, hiking, like podcasting, you know, I, I, I get, I get, I get this singular focus and I, I, I really kind of bear down on it. Uh, is that, is that a similar personality trait with you? 100%. 100%. You go through my garage, like, oh, he, he had a photography, you know, uh, you know, oh, he's got all this audio equipment for video, you know, what was it? Oh, he's got all this lighting. Oh, he was doing a uh, lighting photography or, Oh, he was a car camper. Now he's a backpacker, you know? <laughs> yeah. 100%. You should see my knife collection doc. You know, like, what are you doing? Why do you need all these knives? You don't. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a bit of obsession, right? There's you have, if you're going to do something like this, there has to be a, a bit of obsession involved because it's, it's not something that you can just say, yeah, I'll give it a try. I mean, there's a lot that goes into doing something like this. I don't think that people really understand the logistics and the planning um, that go into things like this. Um, you know, that saying that they have is that anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And I mean, I, I, I kind of live by that, you know, not intentionally, but that's kind of, you know, my thought process, I think. Um, yeah. Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. You can't really, um, you know, attempt a through hike without the finances involved, you can't really, you know, um, attempt a through hike without planning out your logistics. Where am I going to sleep? Where do I get water? How do I get water? How do I clean my water? Where am I going to stay? Do I do laundry? Oh, if I'm going to do laundry, I need quarters. How do I get quarters? You know, the, the, uh, the amount of logistical planning, I don't think that, um, I think it's underrated. I don't think people talk about that very much. And, um, I certainly got a crash course in that. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, now, Swivel, you know, you're, you're being a regular listener, you know that I'm always on the lookout for a good episode title from something that comes up during the episode. We may have just stumbled upon the episode title for today, and that is anything worth doing is worth overdoing with Swivel. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't take credit for that quote, but yeah. <laughs> All right. And that, that kind of segues in. That's a great, great segue into preparation. What did you do to prepare yourself? For, for this hike? Um, man, I researched like crazy. Um, you know, my wife's a very educated woman. So, you know, she jokingly says, you know, you basically got your master's degree, you know, as much as you've, uh, but, but it's true though. I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, went to the university of YouTube and I watched everything gear that I could. I watched every single review that I could. And of course, then you go out and you, you got to spend the money on it, you know, to see if it's going to work for you or not. Um, fortunately I got, 
where I live at, we have a lot of nice parks. And um, this county puts a lot of money in their parks, which is really cool. There's a pretty big equestrian horse trail just down the street from me. And they got a big five mile loop that goes up and over and through the woods type, you know. And so, yeah, I would put my backpack on and I would simulate a simulate a whole, you know, load out of what I wanted to carry on the AT. And then I would just go out there and just hike, 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 early morning hikes. And fortunately, I only live about an hour and a half south of Springer Mountain, the beginning of the Appalachian Trail. So a lot of my shakedown hikes, I would go up there and um, I would hike from Springer over to uh, Neil's Gap or uh, Mountain Crossing. So I go up there and um, I'd spend three days hiking that to do my shakedown hike. So that was my preparation. Nice. And your your master's <laughs> degree from the University of YouTube, what, what is the master's degree in? What, what, what well, I title, guess it's what would the title of that be? Oh, man. Um, I don't know how to how to waste money on hiking gear. Probably. <laughs> I, write a book I was, I was hoping it was a, a master's degree in hiker trashery I don't, or, or something of that effect. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, I got a crash course once I actually started hiking in that. That's for sure. <laughs> now, you know, Ivy Tat's definition of hiker trash is you have to qualify by sleeping in a in a restroom. I haven't. Uh, have have not yet. Uh, okay. I've been close, but I, you know, I've gotten to the point where I've, you know, had to do my laundry in a sink. Um, yeah. So I think it's probably the closest I've got. I haven't got to sleep in a bathroom yet or an outhouse. Okay. Like he's, yeah, that's the requirement. Well, you know, <laughs> it's good to have goals. <laughs> well, he's a triple crowner. So, you know, I haven't had the experience he's got yet. <laughs> All right. Hey, in the first 320 miles, did you, did you, were you hiking with a particular group of folks? Did you, were you part of a trail family? Um, not really. I mean, honestly, um, I, I just love my solitude, to be honest with you. Um, I'm the guy that wants to hike all day by himself. And if I go to a, you know, a lot of times I'll find a stealth site, you know, at the end of the day, um, especially when I started out, there was a big bubble. Um, there was uh, two people that I started out with, um, one of which is the, uh, her trail name is Meta. And she hiked half of the trail last year and then she got an injury and she had to get off. So she was attempting it again this year. So um, her and another guy named Matt, we hiked together probably for the first week or so. And then, you know, our paces started changing and, and whatnot. So we kind of got separated. And then it was just... I started running into some of the same familiar faces. You start leapfrogging over people. So, you know, I don't think I had a family in the traditional sense, you know, what you see other people do, but um, yeah, probably toward the end when I had to get off would probably be the closest thing I had. Uh, had a guy named Rooster, Sunrise and uh, Whiskers and uh, Papa Smurf, uh, not Papa, yeah, Papa Smurf. Those four guys, we stayed at a, at a hostel one time. We had such a good time. It's my very first hostel I ever stayed at. And uh, we had such a good time. We wound up taking two zeros there just because we liked hanging out with each other <laughs> in hot springs. Now, if they had lined you up, if they put you in a lineup and asked, and asked somebody who didn't know you guys to pick out Papa Smurf and Whiskers, uh, I mean, you seem like you'd be a likely candidate for those for those types of trail names with, uh, you know, well, I appreciate full, that full but, beard know. here. He was down here though. I mean, he was, oh, wow. he was down. Okay. Yeah. He, you know, he had the, yeah. I think if you put me next to him and they said, Hey, whiskers, they, they, everybody know you were talking about. <laughs> if they asked, if they asked him to pick out swivel, you think they'd pick out you? <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because Papa Smurf, I don't look like a Papa Smurf. So yeah. Okay. All right. 
<laughs> and so going into the AT, I'm sure you had your expectations of what you thought it was going to be like. You'd, you'd done a lot of research. Has the experience lived up to the expectations so far, or were, were you surprised at some things out there? I was surprised at some things. I was, I was surprised at several things. I think by and large, my research, my gear choices and everything I'm real happy with. Um, I stayed wet a lot more than I expected. I mean, I live in North Georgia. I know that it rains all the time. But this year we had a really high amount of high winds coupled with a lot of rain and cold. So I was really surprised at how cold it was. I mean, like I go to the mountains all the time in my off time, just for the heck of it. I, you know, I understand the difference in, in mountain temperature, but I think it's different when you have no reprieve. You, you can't just like, oh, I'm going to go jump in the truck because I'm cold or I'm going to go back home now. Or it's, it, yeah, that, I think that was probably being cold and wet. Um, rookie mistake, maybe, but I brought two pairs of socks. Thinking is, you know, okay, you know, I'll hike in one pair of socks. And then if they're wet, the next day I put my dry ones on. I'll put my wet ones on the back of the backpack so they can dry out in the next day. Well, if you've got three and four days of rain, those ones on your backpack aren't drying out. So now you have a choice of which pair of wet socks you'd like to put on in the morning. <laughs> so, you know, things like that you learn, you know, and you might carry three pairs of socks and you don't need them, but when you need them, you need them. So, you know, but other, I mean, uh, you know, the elevation, I think, um, yeah, it, there, there's just, if, if you're walking on the Appalachian Trail and that trail wise off, you've got two paths, one's going downhill and one's going uphill. You don't even look at your map, man. The one going uphill is where you're going. It's just everything is uphill on the Appalachian Trail. If somebody says, oh, that's a flat section, just dismiss that. Just, uh, you know, assume it's uphill. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, if if uh, if if the if the path diverges and there's uphill or downhill, it's always uphill. That's just that's just the luck of the draw on the AT. Man, that is the, the way truth. it goes. <laughs> and I think you know I've, I've said this before. I think that people on the West Coast, people who have done the PCT, you know, they're in the Sierras. You know, there's you know lots of ten thousand, twelve thousand foot passes. There's Mount Whitney at fourteen thousand feet, and they look over at the AT and the Appalachian Mountains, and they think, oh, you know, those are those aren't that high. I mean, that can't Nothing. be that difficult. And but. Right. From what I have heard, from what I've heard from you and from others that have done the AT is it is just relentless. And there's, there's not the nicety of switchbacks. It's like straight up and straight down sometimes. Oh yeah. It's, you know, from my opinion, it, yeah, it's, it's awful. You know, like I was talking to one guy that did the PCT and he's like, well, you know, the PCT at least gives you a couple hundred miles of desert fairly flat to get your trail legs under you. But the Appalachian Trail is just like, hey, Merry Christmas, man. This is what we're doing. <laughs> right out of the gate. Yes. Right out of the gate. And, and you know, once you get to North Carolina, your first state, you're like, oh, yes, my first state is down. Anybody who's done the trail right there knows North Carolina gives you a big middle finger, man. I mean, that you thought Georgia was bad. As soon as you come out, you're just like, Shh. I'm like you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Yeah. And in fact, there was a guy finishing up his triple crown with the Appalachian trail. Um, and, and he said, forget this trail. Um, you know, in so many words, you know, he said, man, forget this trail, forget this. Trail. I mean, this is a man who's, who's hiked, you know, to, uh, he's a veteran. He knows. And he's just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Hey, any, any good stories that you can tell, you can share from the first uh, 300 miles or so? Any, any times where you found yourself uh, thinking, uh, what, what have I gotten myself into or uh, maybe some funny moments out there? Oh, I think the funniest moment was something silly, but just me. It, I think when you're out there by yourself for so much, you think things are funny. That's nobody else probably would, but I walked by this one guy that was camping on the side. His, he had a PCT bear hang and I'm only five, six. And his bear bag, when I walked by it, was level with my head. I'm like, what? But anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, man, when I got to, uh, I, I think my hike was going pretty good until I got to Franklin, Tennessee. And um, I think Franklin, Tennessee has got it in for me. Um, first thing I think happened, yeah, I was at Winding Stair Gap. I was waiting on a shuttle ride, and I took a bite of a uh, – protein bar while I was waiting on the ride and my back tooth fell out in my hand. I was chewing this truck. I was like, you gotta be kidding me, man. So I'm holding my molar in my hand. I had just had a, a crown put on four or five months earlier. So now I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm like, what the hell do I do with this? You know, now what happened? You know, so got that figured out and um, it, it wound up being not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And so going to Franklin and get that dealt with. And then um, got back, started to go back out on trail the next morning went to a diner across the street from the, you know, crappy little motel I was staying in. I lost my wallet. Um, so between losing my tooth in Franklin and losing my wallet in Franklin, I was like, what am I doing here, man? Just called the wife. I said, I lost my wallet. I don't have my credit card. I don't have my driver. I don't have any cash on me anymore. She's like, I'll come get you. We only live like two hours South. So thank goodness. But <laughs> those were my downtimes. I think, you know, just like, man, what maybe not this year, you know, got to avoid Franklin from now on there. Swivel. I was, I was, yeah. I told one of the ladies in the, in one, you know, another place in Franklin, I said, I said, I don't think Franklin cares for me very much. And she's like, no, we love you, darling. You know, the real, real country. <laughs> yeah. I'm avoiding Franklin at all costs. <laughs> all right. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about um, finishing up with Georgia and getting North Carolina and North Carolina giving, giving the middle finger. Um, with that in mind, what, what are you looking forward to on the rest of the trail? And what, what are you maybe, maybe what are you dreading that, that might be coming up? Um, honestly, um, I'm kind of going back in with a different attitude, I think, going in now that I got a little bit of experience under my belt. Before, I was kind of fixated on, you know, completing the through hike. I, I still want to complete it, obviously, but, you know, now I just want to have a good time. I just... You know, I'm not like fixating, like, I, I got to crush these miles. I got to do this. I got to do that. <clears throat> My mind is just different. You know, it's just like, I just want to enjoy it. Now that I've been off trail, um, I realize how much I miss it and how much I value my time out there. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I got more of a, um, a gratitude in me for my time being out there. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting out there and see if my feet are going to hold up. Um, that's, that's the first step for me. Uh, no pun intended, but yeah. I want to get out there and, you know, get a couple of weeks under my belt and that the feet are going to hold up. And then, um, yeah, just enjoy the journey, man. Yeah. You know, it, it sounds like a silver lining to this whole, this whole process that you had to go through, you know, starting getting on there, getting 300 miles in and then having to come off and sit for, for six or seven weeks yeah. uh, has allowed you to get some perspective and to maybe uh, change your outlook out on the trail and trying to enjoy it as it's happening. Um, because yeah. I've said many times that, you know, we, we get into this always looking forward 
and then it's over and then you're, you're constantly looking backward and you didn't enjoy it when it happened. And so I think, I think that's, yeah. a, that's a good perspective. Yeah. You know, there's a saying that I've heard people say is, is be where your feet are. And, you know, part of me coming out here on the Appalachian trail is to learn how to be where I am. Don't, you know, I don't need to get fixated on Katahdin. I don't want to need to get fixated on crushing miles. Just be where you are. And, um, yeah, that's a big lesson I'm trying to learn out here, you know, just enjoy the moment. You know, I heard somebody say that, you know, the future hasn't happened yet and the past has already happened. So the present is the really only the real thing that's, you know, that's reality. So just like, be where you are, man. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about all this stuff, you know. That's right. Yeah, you, We're stuck. We're stuck in this very narrow bubble of time in the immediate moment. And it's tough to live there. It's tough to, to stay there and, yeah. and stay focused. I think that's a real skill. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, I got a military background. My dad was military. I was military. So you're always thinking of planning and logistics and, you know, and, and just you're always planning for the what ifs. And, it's, you know, it, like like the other guy on your podcast, about he's bringing three of everything, you know, and it's just like now it's like. I got one extra shirt with me and I got a pair of underwear and shorts and two pairs of socks. <laughs> it's just, you know, your mindset just, it, it evolves and it changes and you realize too that, you know, okay, what if your shirt is wet for two days? You're going to, you're not going to die. You'll be uncomfortable. You might be, you know what I mean? It's just the learning, the learning process out there is it, just great. And it just, it does, it creates an attitude of gratitude, you know, of uh we're going to be okay. This is going to be fine. So just enjoy the moment, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I sound all hippy dippy, don't I? <laughs> I don't mean to. <laughs> you sound trail wise. That's what you sound. Maybe I'll write Hallmark cards when I get done with this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Swivel, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to be able to check in with you along the rest mm-hmm. of your journey. Maybe, maybe do a follow-up episode to uh, hear about where you are and how it's going out there. What do you think? Absolutely, man. I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It keeps my mind off of all those, uh, all the hills. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, you know where we are? Where we at? The pro tip insight of the week. Oh, we're at that time of the episode where you're going to share some trail wisdom for, with our listeners. What do you have for us? You already, you already dropped some great nuggets. You can't use those. Again. Did I? Come something new. So, all right, well, here you go. You're not going to, you're not going to expect this. What I've learned out there, no matter how big or how small, wet or dry, never trust a rock or a root for foot placement. <laughs> I have fallen several times. Oh, that's a huge rock. It's not going to move. Wiggle, 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 boom. <laughs> so yeah, and I never trust a rock or a root for your foot placement. Tread lightly. That's my wisdom, man. And that's wise. That's good. That's good. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Swivel. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Swivel, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your journey out there? All right. Well, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, Instagram page is walk it off on Instagram. I got a YouTube channel with the same name, walk it off. And uh, on the YouTube though, you probably have to go walk it off David Smith because there's a couple different walk it offs, but um, I try to um, post vlogs almost every day. If I can, if I have phone signal out there on my YouTube channel and I'm always putting pictures and, 
little nonsense up on Instagram. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Okay. And where did you come up with walk it off? That's a, that's a good, um, like sports injury uh, phrase, right? I just walk it off. You'll be all right. Just walk it off. Yeah. It kind of comes from that, the whole thing about rubs and dirt on it type thing. But also, you know, when I get kind of a bad attitude and I get grumpy and salty around the house, the wife tells me you need to go walk that off and go for a little hike. And I usually come back with a different attitude. <laughs> Mrs. Swivel with the inspiration right there for the, uh, the social media handles. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamere at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. David, I'm also looking at you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of adventure media that's going to keep our listeners connected to the outdoors. What do you have for us? Oh, um, would a YouTube channel be good? Absolutely. Would that work? Yep. Um, I mean, it, it is a university. So, I mean, yeah, I'm just waiting on my, you know, paper to come. It's like I hang it on the wall and frame it. Um, <laughs> um, geez, man, you know, I, I haven't really heard any really good podcasts or books lately that I would, you know, jump from the leaps right out in front of my mind. But on YouTube, though, um, um, Bear Trek Adventures um, is the guy. His, his trail name is Papa Bear. And he is hiking the Appalachian Trail as we speak. But he's doing a little bit different. His his um, theme that he's doing is called Bama to Baxter. And he's hiking the whole Appalachian Trail as, as it go, runs from, um, he, he did the whole Pinhoti Trail, where the Pinhoti Trail goes from Alabama over to Springer Mountain. And then he's going up the trail. So uh, Bear Trek Adventures, he's been documenting his journey. He's got really good YouTube videos. I think he's probably in PA right now on his journey. So Okay. Well, we will have to check that out. Bear Trek Adventures. Yes. Okay. What have we not asked you? And our last segment is called, what have we not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What do we miss today? Man, I don't, I don't know, man. I think we covered it. Yeah. I hope I didn't get off on too many tangents on you there, but um, no, I, I can't think of anything. We covered the whole gamut there. Well, I think if you ask our listeners, the <laughs> tangents are the best, so... Those are our little side trails, spur trails, right? Good stuff. Good stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, that's a wrap from the John Freakymere studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, David? No, man. That's it. Just appreciate you having me, brother. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I'd love to check in with you periodically as you need it. And uh, yeah. Great. This was fantastic. I really appreciate, appreciate you taking the time on your recovery to, uh, to talk to us today and uh, share what's been going on out there. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember, the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've earned your master's degree in hiker trash from the University of YouTube. The trail <laughs> is the trail. Embrace the suck. Fuck. anglers search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv